Tony Roberts is a native Hoosier with a BA in English and Theology from Hanover College and an MDiv from Louisville Presbyterian Seminary. He served in pastoral ministry for 18 plus years while battling bipolar disorder. He is now the CEO and Chief Shepherd of Delight in Disorder Ministries, the author of When Despair Meets Delight, and the producer and co-host of the podcast Revealing Voices. Welcome, Tony, with me. Thank you, Sandra. When I first saw the title of this conference, Disability and the Church, my interest was immediately piqued. You see, I have a disability, bipolar disorder. I also served the church as a pastor for 18 plus years. Since 2009, I have received pension disability after my bipolar progressed to the point that I could no longer serve effectively in the pastorate. Still, I have been actively serving the church as an author, speaker, and mental health advocate. I am now CEO and Chief Shepherd of Delight in Disorder Ministries. I know what it's like to have a disability, to be on disability, and also to serve with a disability. If you're attending this conference because, like me, you have a disability, you're in good company. The Apostle Paul was challenged about something of the sort, as you may recall from 2 Corinthians 12, the thorn in his flesh. You and I may have had many similar prayers to his. He prayed multiple times that it be removed. However, God did not respond with immediate physical healing. No, instead, God answered Paul's prayer according to his will, with the assurance that divine grace would be sufficient to meet Paul's needs and give him the strength to serve. He prayed multiple times that it be removed, but Paul, God gave him instead what he needed. Now, I don't want to suggest that Paul had a brain illness, but I will boldly proclaim that this is the thorn in my flesh and in the flesh of many people here and throughout the world. I have prayed that it be miraculously removed for God's glory. Instead, God has demonstrated divine strength through my human weakness. In many ways, I could not have reached as many suffering souls within and beyond the church if I did not have bipolar and been led to discover delight and disorder. How did I do this? Said better, how did God do this through me? First, I asked for help before it was forced on me. Next, I adapted my ministry so God's strength would shine through my weakness. 
And finally, I continue to submit to community prayer for guidance. First, I asked for help before it was forced on me. I was a 30-year-old ambitious pastor serving a church poised for growth. When it didn't happen soon enough, I became depressed. I sought help first from a partially retired family doctor who knew very little about psychotropics. He prescribed antidepressants that would send me into a manic psychosis. This doesn't mean that the medication caused my illness, but it did accentuate my symptoms. I began to see things others didn't see, hear things others couldn't hear. In medical terminology, I was hallucinating, and at the time, however, I thought it was divine revelation. I knew something wasn't quite right, but it was like being on a spaceship. I saw no way to make it stop. Church leaders prayed over me, laid hands on me, and anointed me with oil. There was a prayer vigil. People around the world prayed day and night. Nothing worked, at least not fully. But prayer did lead to insight. A young woman who had joined the church recently was doing a student internship at a local psych center. She asked her supervisor if I might be evaluated there for treatment. It happened to be a facility covered by my church insurance plan. The wheels were set in motion to provide me fully six weeks of intensive psychiatric care, and it led to restore my mind and my ministry for another dozen years in the pastoral service and more than a dozen now in mental health ministry. If you have a brain illness, get help before it is forced on you. One word of caution, not all people with a diagnosis seek help, and it may not be through any fault of their own. Much research recently has shown that many folks with serious mental illness lack insight, a condition known as anosognosia. They may have strong doubts, even suspicions that the very treatment offered to help them would harm them in some irreparable way. I am fortunate, not better, to be compliant with medication and other forms of treatment. I am fortunate to be able to ask for help before it is forced on me. The sad reality for many is that someone may have to institute involuntary care to prevent further harm to themselves and towards others. I pray for all who have insight that they find care and for those who resist it ultimately would accept it. Secondly, I adapted my ministry to let God transform my human weakness into divine strength. 
When I was first diagnosed, even from the psych center, God guided me with the help of ministry leaders to draft a letter. It was filled with the Psalms and other scriptures detailing what I knew of the diagnosis, expressing the agony of an uncertain future, but ultimately proclaiming hope and faith through Christ that God's grace would indeed prove sufficient. I asked for prayer and support from the congregation as we moved forward one step at a time. Now, I had no idea how they would respond. This was 1995. Manic depressives, as we were still then called by many, did not have the best reputation, particularly in the church. Feeble-minded, out of control, even demon-possessed. Who would want to, to worship someone with someone like this, much less have them as their pastor? But in an amazing, nothing short than miraculous way, they embraced me and my family in spite of the challenge. They put their faith in Christ ahead of their fear of the unknown. I was offered a paid leave of absence until I was healthy enough to return to the pulpit. Women of the church, always a spiritual backbone, cared for our two young daughters so my wife could visit me, and later we could go to counseling together. Countless meals were prepared and brought by the house, a rarity even today when someone is struggling with a mental health crisis. Now, I would be wrong to suggest that all members responded favorably. Some left seeking a pastor who could lead without such a thorn in his flesh. When I returned to service, I proposed that a board member and I do home visits for every member who would have us, mainly to listen carefully and respond prayerfully. One of the first visits we made was to a woman I'll call Claire. Claire opened the door to view me while her amicable Jack Russell Terrier yapped in my direction. You're that pastor who has a mental illness, said Claire. I thought Christians weren't supposed to get depressed. I paused and said, yes, Claire, I get depressed just like many other Christians and people in the Bible. Depression itself is not a sin, and my faith gives me hope. Then a tear formed in her eye. I've been depressed all my life, and I was always told that I must not be a Christian. Then she scooped up the dog in one hand and offered me her other. Come on in, Pastor. God transformed my human weakness into divine strength, and this brought hope and healing for the glory of God. And finally, I continue to submit to community prayer for guidance in what I say and do. While I no longer serve in pastoral ministry, 
I still have a body of believers to whom I am accountable. First, I have six spiritually mature board members serving my nonprofit, Delight in Disorder Ministries, who oversee the work I do. I invite them not only into my public ministry, but my personal life. They can ask me, how are your meds working? Are you getting enough sleep? How are your side effects? How is your prayer life? Questions that cut to the heart of who I am and how I am functioning. In addition to my board, I regularly engage in therapy, receive medication monitoring from a psychiatric nurse practitioner, confide in a pastor, and exercise the spiritual practices of individual devotions and a weekly Bible study. These are more than casual privileges. These are my lifelines. As someone who hears voices projected in my brain, I need a team of trusted, trained consultants to determine what is from God and what isn't. Community prayer is one of the means of grace that is sufficient for me to function faithfully in life and ministry. Before closing, I would like to give you a brief sneak peek at what God is doing through Delight in Disorder Ministries, particularly two initiatives where we invite your participation. First, we are currently seeking to collect submissions for the book, Hope for Troubled Minds, tributes to those with brain illnesses and their loved ones. Do you have a brain illness such as schizophrenia, bipolar, schizoaffective disorder, or major depression? Or do you love or care for someone who does? We'd be delighted if you would submit a tribute. We can publish it by name or anonymously. The deadline is June 1st. The print and Kindle books will be out November 1. Each contributor will receive a complimentary copy. There will also be a one-time offer for contributors to purchase additional copies for a discounted price of $15. Secondly, we have a podcast called Revealing Voices that is faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, stigma-breaking. And it, we interview such authors as Matthew Stanford, Amy Simpson, and Sarah Griffith Lund. Our most re recent episode contains an interview with Key Ministries' own Steve Gersovich. We explore topics at the intersection of faith and mental illness. We currently have a monthly feature as well called Highcast, where Christian poet Eric Riddle blends mental health storytelling with the ancient 575 syllabic haiku. For more about Delight in Disorder Ministries, go to delightindisorder.org. I also encourage you to drop by our vendor table where Darren and I, the man in the hat, can sign you up for our daily devotions and weekly newsletter. You can also purchase discounted signed copies of my books, Delight and Disorder, and When Despair Meets Delight. 
One way that I am particularly blessed in my ministry now is to have my wife Susan serving as president on our Did Men board. She is a strong advocate with much nonprofit experience in the field of special education. When I showed her the first draft of my talk and asked what more I needed for it, she said, be more explicit about how a congregation and other faith leaders can best boost someone with a brain disability. So here's my three-part charge to you today. First, pray that God gives you the eyes to recognize brain disabilities where they exist. It's a matter of where, not if. Second, Pray that God give you the heart to hear needs expressed and unexpressed as they present themselves. And third, pray that God give you the courage to advocate for those who are at times cast down and when the time is right, encourage them to advocate for themselves by sharing their own stories. In my almost 20 years as a preacher, each week I borrowed a verse from the Psalms to say before my sermon. I now say it at the close of my talks, reminding myself and others that a message is only a beginning. And if you wish to say this with me. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Thank you.